Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Lamentations. That's right after Jeremiah. Amen. For anybody that's been a while, maybe since you ran your fingers through the pages of the book of Lamentations. Amen. Right after Jeremiah and before Ezekiel. Amen. Tucked in there a few chapters, five, I think it is, in the book of Lamentations. I'm going to read just from there a few verses tonight. It's still sunny outside, daylight. Amen. Isn't that nice? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lamentations chapter number one. I'm going to begin with verse number seven. Verse number seven here tonight. Jerusalem remembered in the days of her affliction and of her miseries all her pleasant things that she had in the days of old. When her people fell into the hand of the enemy and none did help her. The adversary saw her and did mock at her Sabbaths. Jerusalem hath grievously sinned. Therefore, she is removed. All that honored her despise her because they have seen her nakedness. Yea, she sigheth and turneth backward. Her filthiness is in her skirts. She remembereth not her last end. Therefore, she came down wonderfully. She had no comforter. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy hath magnified himself. Amen. There's a phrase here within these few verses that has constantly been rehearsing in my mind, like uh, just repetitious uh, in my head for the past several days of Lamentations 1 and verse number 9, where the Bible says she remembered not her last end. In other words, she gave no thought to her future. She did, She was not mindful of her end. Whenever I first read it this week, I read it in the New King James Version, which states it like this. She did not consider her destiny. And that has just been pouring through and through my mind over and over again. She did not consider her destiny destiny. And so for a little while tonight, I would like to minister this. Watch where you are going. Watch where you are going. They tell you whenever you preach, you're supposed to consider your audience. I did that, but then I considered what the Spirit was telling me to do and understood my audience goes beyond these four walls. And so if this isn't pertaining to you, it may pertain to someone that will hear this in days after this. Amen. The greater social public as it is. Amen. So I'd ask you tonight, if it's not you, just help me preach tonight. Okay? Because somebody needs to remember they must consider their destiny. Amen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I love you, Jesus, tonight. I'm so grateful 
grateful, Lord, to be in this house. I'm grateful, Lord, uh, for a place, a building, Lord, to come to, to worship, to offer a prayers and songs of thanksgiving and adoration. I pray, oh, Lord, tonight, God, let your word, God, find its target. Let your word find its target, Lord Jesus, in this place, beyond the walls of this place. God, you know the ears, Lord, that will hear this, Lord, across, Lord Jesus, our, Lord, United States and perhaps even abroad. I pray, oh, Lord, tonight, God, that a soul and a mark, God, that's in the crosshairs, Lord Jesus, of your intentions and spirit tonight, God, would be met, whether I'll ever know it or not. God, I, Lord, want to be faithful, Lord, to the task, Lord, and to your voice. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Watch. <clears throat> Watch where you are going. Several years ago, uh, it is now, but several years ago, I took a local motorcycle class out at the college here in their parking lot and also within their classrooms before I got my motorcycle license. It's kind of been a, uh, a thing in our family. I remember being on a motorcycle before just about the same time I was able to walk. And so dad always has had one. We've always ridden on it as kids. And so as I was there in that class, we practiced everything that a cyclist may uh, face in the real world, in, on the real road, uh, in the course that they had there on that parking lot uh, for those two days that I was there. One of the things that we practiced was successfully taking a curve. Uh, on a motorcycle. There's just a few components uh, to successfully taking a curve on a motorcycle, and that uh, are these. You must slow down in order to enter the curve. You must lean the bike in the direction of the curve. You must follow an outside, inside, outside pattern throughout the curve, which is more of a direct line than just following the curve itself. You must gently row the throttle to increase your speed through the curve. And perhaps one of the most important items is that you must watch where you are going. Seriously, even some might even state it like this. I've heard him say, you better look where you want to be. Because your eyes can't be on the line that's next to you or just closely in front of you because you'll end up there. It's best if you keep your eyes peering ahead of you where you are exiting the curve. The Septuagint, which is the translation of the scripture into Greek, the Old Testament that is, was done by 70 Hebrew scholars years ago around 200 B.C. They, they prefaced the book of Lamentations from which I read to you tonight. They prefaced the book of Lamentations with these words that, and it came to pass that after Israel had been carried away captive and Jerusalem made desolate, Jeremiah sat weeping. And lamented this lament over Jerusalem and sad and went on and led with the first few verses there of chapter one of Lamentations. The city that Jeremiah looks upon and weeps over now is the same city that Jesus would look upon almost six centuries later and weep over in the Gospels. The Bible says that when he, speaking to Jesus, would come near that he beheld the city, it was the city of Jerusalem, and he wept over it. There are only two occasions in the scripture from what I can glean in the Bible where it is recorded that Jesus wept. He was weeping or he wept as he approached Lazarus' grave. And the Bible also states in Luke that he wept as he approached the city of Jerusalem. 
In one instance, he wept over a dead man. And in another instance, he virtually was weeping over a dead city. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because the Bible says she knew not the hour of her visitation, which literally means she did not know the hour of her inspection. But Jeremiah wept over Jerusalem because she did not consider her destiny. Jerusalem lived her life without any regard for where she was headed. Every warning from the prophet Jeremiah that attempted to draw her attention to where she was headed was ignored by Jerusalem. She did what she wanted to do without any accountability in the mix. There are even places in the book of Jeremiah that says, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, the Bible says. They were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. In other words, things that had been formerly off bounds to Jerusalem and would have subjected her to guilt and would have subjected her to shame were now acceptable norms for her. She had done these things so frequently and enough that she could no longer blush. Her face would no longer turn red by embarrassment when she did them. She could not be embarrassed anymore by some of the same things that would had one time embarrassed her. They did not have the same shaming impact and effect upon her like they had once had. Her song, Jerusalem's song and dance was this, tell me what I want to hear. And if it doesn't speak well about where I'm presently living and what I'm presently doing, then I don't want to hear it. Just go on and pass me by. The Bible describes that she readily received the words of false prophets, soothsayers, you might even call them. But she rejected the words of the prophet Jeremiah because his words were underscoring her destiny. And that doesn't set too well with a person that isn't considering their destiny. The same verse says, therefore, since she didn't consider her destiny, that's the therefore, her collapse was awesome or her collapse was wonderful. In other words, there is no greater fall than a fall or a trip that takes you by surprise. You don't see it coming. It just kind of happens and all of a sudden your face is on the floor. Amen. Or your back of your head, whichever it may be, Brother Malone. Your face is on the floor. You hit the ground. It takes you by surprise. Your reaction time, amen, cannot be quick enough because it's unknown that it's going to take place. It's unknown that it's going to happen. So you can't compensate for what's happening or taking place. It's unknown to you. But Jerusalem, your fall is going to be awesome. Not because... Not because it's not unknown because Jeremiah hadn't said something because he had. It's not unknown because you didn't hear it because you had heard it. It's unknown because you decided never to consider your destiny. Can I tell us tonight that when we are not destiny minded, we live just for the moment. We live just for the here and now. When we are not destiny minded, anything will do and anything is acceptable and anything can happen and we're okay with it. When we are not destiny minded, we will undermine the importance of the birthright like Esau did and we'll sell it for some bread and a pottage of lentils. Amen. In the moment because we're not 
not destiny minded. Can someone say amen? There is a twofold significance really from the statement that she did not consider her destiny. Number one, she didn't give any thought to the end of her present actions. She's acting in such a way, living the life in such a way, she's given no thought to the destiny of where those actions may lead. But secondly, she was not mindful of the intentions that God had for her as a nation in the future. She didn't consider destiny in two forms, where her actions may be leading and what God really wanted and desired for her. The Bible says we could glean very easily, but the Bible tells us that Lot's wife was evidently one that did not consider her destiny. She was more concerned about where she was, even maybe where she had been, rather than where she was going as they left the city on the day of its destruction. Her collapse, if you would might say, was awesome in a negative way. It was wonderful in a negative way. The Bible says that she turned into a pillar of salt. Amen. That was a great fall, a great collapse. And even though the gospel of Luke in Luke chapter 17 picks up this tendency of Lot's wife as he's talking about the coming of the Son of Man, as he's talking about the end of time, he's talking about that day when all things will come to culmination. He says that there will be two that will be in a bed. One will be taken and the other will be left. He says there will be two grinding at the millstone. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two will be standing in a field. One will be taken and the other will be left. And he cleverly just inserts among all of that, speaking of the day the sun will come, speaking of the day of the time of all things, he says, remember Lot's wife. Amen. Because he wanted them to consider a woman that had not considered her destiny. I wonder, and I oftentimes wonder whenever I think about her, I wonder, Bishop, if she turned into a pillar of salt with her head in the position of looking back rather than looking ahead. I wonder if she was preserved in a pose of not watching where she was going. If her feet were pointed in one direction opposite of where her eyes were turning. I wonder if she was put in such a position that it was an illustration cast in salt. Amen. That she was not considering where she was going and what her destiny was. Can someone say amen? Jeremiah portrays the fall of Jerusalem quite descriptively in Lamentations. He shows this city, this grand city that progressed from being the city of David, the city, the holy city as it was all times called, the city of God that it in many places is called. He shows the progression that Jerusalem went from that and you can find and trace it throughout Lamentations to a lonely widow, to a degraded princess, to even the position he describes her as a whore, to a woman that was a raped victim, to a betrayed lover, ultimately to an abandoned wife. Five times in chapter one of Lamentations, the Bible stated that she, Jerusalem, had none to comfort her. It says that there was none or no comforter that she had. In one of the verses, verse number 16, the Bible states, 
states, the comforter that should relieve my soul. Speaking of Jerusalem's soul is far from me. What these words are, are the words of afterthoughts after the dilemma has already taken place. These are afterthoughts after the destruction has already happened. After she's already come, if you will, to one destination along her journey. These are the words of regrets. Amen. Of not having considered her destiny. Can I tell us tonight here and in the listening audience beyond, you cannot take steps away from the comforter and expect to be comforted. You cannot abandon him and sin, which is a separator between you and God, and still expect for the comfort to be near you. It's no surprise when I read in Lamentations, she had no comforter or she felt no comfort or the very thing that should relieve her soul she could not find because she had left it. She had not considered her destiny. Someone say amen. The Bible says in Jeremiah 5 and verse 25 in the New King James Version, he says, your iniquities, speaking to Jerusalem, your iniquities have turned these things away, meaning the latter rain and the former rain that they needed in their season, amen, in order for their crop to do good in the soil, the latter rain for bringing it to fruition, amen, in the time of harvest. He said, your iniquities have turned these things away and your sins have withheld good from you. Can I tell somebody tonight that sin for everything that it gives you it has also withheld some good things for everything that sin gives you. And yes, there is pleasure in sin, the Bible says, for a season. I'm not going to subtract from the fact that there is pleasure in sin because the Bible says there is. There is pleasure in sin. There is a good feeling with it. There is a euphoria, if you will, and a high that comes along with it. Yeah, you might get some things and, and you might acquire some things through the virtue of sin, by virtue of sin, rather. But what it gives you, you might must understand you've also been withheld. Amen. Some good things. There's been some honorable things, some pure things, some righteous things, some eternal things that have been, oh God, that, that, that's been held back also as a result of sin. And as a result, the Bible says the very one that should have been a comfort to her, Scripture says, has afflicted her. What should have comforted her is afflicting her. Oh, someone hear me tonight. That's how everything appears and the perspective is when you're not living your life with your destiny in mind. The very thing that should comfort you. You just go on. You tried to be persuasive with the Lord with someone that don't want them to have anything to do with the Lord. The very thing that should comfort them, uh uh-uh. He's a thorn in their flesh. Uh-huh. He, he, he's a thorn in their flesh. He's an affliction to them. The Bible says that the very one that should comfort her became uh, 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 afflicted her. He became like an adversary unto her. He became, this is right in your Bible, Lamentations. He became like an enemy to her. Look now, Lamentations 1 and 5. Her adversaries are the chief. Her enemies prosper. For the Lord hath afflicted her. For the multitude of her transgressions. 
So Jeremiah says, the Lord afflicted her due to the multitude of her transgressions. But I'll even take it a step further tonight. He afflicted her because of the multitude of her transgressions. And the multitude of her transgressions are because she wasn't watching where she was going. She did not consider her destiny. The saddest people in our world today are those that believe there is no hereafter. That when they die, that's, that's it. It's over. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more living. It's all said and done. Someone hear me right now. Because if you had that type of mentality, you're going to live life without any consideration for destiny. If it's void, if it's blank, if, if, if there is none, then you're just going to live your life, amen, as though there is nothing. But I'm here to tell you tonight, we have premise of God's word that there is a hereafter. There is an afterlife. There is a destiny for each and every one of us. A resurrection unto damnation or resurrection to everlasting life is what the scripture says. There is a destiny. And we got to awaken our senses right now. And we need to live life, amen, with our destiny in consideration we need to live our life in the church on Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night and in the job on Monday through Friday with our destiny in mind we need our talk amen to give consideration to our destiny we need to let our morals give consideration to our destiny someone say amen Just go over a few things here as quickly as I can here tonight. It doesn't matter if it's the culture of Jerusalem's day and generation or whether it's the culture of our day and generation. Because there are areas that overlap. There are threads of commonality that we share when we disregard destinies. Am I doing all right? Listen to me. People that don't consider their destiny have a tendency to abandon God. Here's where it's at. Just walk with me here for a moment. They believe that God exists, but they don't believe He is relevant for their lives or to their lives. In other words, because that's the cry today. That is the... The candy shop cry today, relevance, relevance. The church needs to be relevant. Their activities need to be relevant. Their community endeavors need to be relevant. The teaching needs to be relevant. The preaching needs to be relevant. See, people, they believe he exists, but they don't necessarily believe that he's relevant to their lives. In other words, they don't believe that God is connected with our present matters at hand in this generation, in this culture and society. That's an old book. There's no way that that God of that book can be relevant in today's age. We're living in the year 2020. They, they, they need to get, we, we got to somehow change the church. 
We got to make it relevant for our generation. We, we got to somehow get the message just, pat, if you will, okay for the taste because we got to make it relevant for our generation. A people that don't consider their destiny, they abandon God, not that he exists, but they just don't believe he's relevant for their generation, for their here and their now. Folks, I know and I love it. We have all kinds of technological advances and such and I'm happy about that and I'm glad for air conditioning and heat and all that good stuff but there are some things at our core as a people as a nation that are the same we are a record in many episodes that skipping and just repeating amen the preacher said the thing that hath been it is that which shall be and that which is done is that which shall be done what are you saying if that's the case this thing was relevant in Moses's day and it's relevant in mine that God that was relevant in Adam's day is a God that's relevant in mine. Oh, yes. Someone say amen. My God's not archaic. He's not old-fashioned. He's timeless. He's eternal. He's relevant. He's so relevant that he stepped down in the form of a man and subjected himself to the things of humanity just to show us I'm a relevant God. Yes. But we, like Israel of old, we have forsaken God. The Bible says they even lightly esteemed the rock of their salvation. And at times, when we are not giving consideration to our destinies, so have we. Can I tell you that people that don't consider their destiny, careful here, Pastor, become formal in their praise. Read up on Jerusalem now. Read up on Israel now. They become formal in their praise and they lose most, if not all, at times of their satisfaction in their worship. Someone say, hmm. That sounded good. We almost had harmony going on there. Look at this. This is Deuteronomy 32, 17. Looking at the nation of Israel. You guys don't have it up there, but that's okay. This is speaking of them going through a time when they were not considering their destiny. Look what the Bible says. They sacrificed to new gods. This is, the phrase of this is interesting. They sacrificed to new gods that came newly up. That's in your Bibles. They sacrificed to new gods that came newly up. You know what they were looking for? A relevant God. Mm. The next train of new, the next train that was screaming 200 B.C. Or whatever. They said, we want to be a part of that. Because that, we can identify. Oh God. We can identify with that. Folks, he never asked us to identify with our culture. He never asked us to identify with our surroundings or our generation. He wanted us to identify with him or he had never created man in his image or after his likeness from the very beginning. He wasn't trying. He wasn't trying to make God into man's image. He was trying to make man in his image. We are... 
But the new gods, they said, they were interested in, they sacrificed to because they came up newly. And the Israel fell prey, if you will, to the spirit of relevance. They gave themselves to what newly came up among them. As a matter of fact, we read that Jerusalem sought out some religious leaders that would cater to their desires. And at the same time, avoid those that would confront their disobedience. I know it seems like I've talked about this here lately. That's what you get when you start reading through Jeremiah and Limitations. <laughs> Someone say amen. That is what we might quote unquote call in that day the seeker friendly church. The seeker friendly church. Meaning if they're looking for a church, you're going to be friendly. You're going to touch their want, satisfy their desire so that they plant themselves there. Going to avoid talking about anything. That may ruffle a feather. Avoid talking about anything. Although it's biblical. Avoid talking about anything. That may challenge our humanity of sin and existence on this world. Jerusalem says, don't challenge who I am. Accept me as I am. Let me do as I am. But honey, with that mentality, you for sure not thinking about your destiny. Because God didn't save us to leave us as we are. He saved us to make us like him. We are his church, his glorious church, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He has given us, if you will, the linen garments he's granted to us to put on and wear robes of righteousness, right conduct, right living, right talking, right spitting, whatever you want to say. Jeremiah 5.31. This is New King James Version. I should have probably told you guys that. I'm sorry about that. Nonetheless, he said, the prophets prophesy falsely. <laughs> and the priests rule by their own power. And look, Jerusalem, my people love to have it so. I almost feel like I could get in trouble I want to come to church and I want them to talk about Calvary and I want to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection and I want them to talk about how Jesus shed his blood for me and I want to talk about how I have forgiveness of sins and I want them to talk about how I can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved and that's the only thing required of me and I can still do everything I did before I ever had the forgiveness of God. I can still unsmoke and undip and unchew and I can cuss and I can flirt and I can have a little side, if you will, relationship. I can still do all that stuff and I can still, if you will, drink up until the midnight hour on Saturday and teach a Sunday school class on Sunday and I can... Oh, but I'm here to tell you today that some people that are not considering their destiny, folks, not all roads lead to heaven. I don't care whatever the theory may be out there. It does not work that way. It does not happen that way. If there's one body and there's one spirit, one way to be baptized in that body, there is only one, 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 one way to God. As the old song used to sing, we need to consider our destiny. They love it. 
to have it is so. But look what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 5.31. He said, but what will you do in the end? You know what he's saying? Watch where you're going. Watch where you're going. Consider your destiny. Israel had entered different times where they didn't consider their destiny. Jerusalem, several times, not considering her destiny. The Bible says there were times, can you imagine this, that they were unmindful of God. You almost have to intentionally do that. Because when I look at the tree and I peer at a mountain, I see the handiwork. When I wake up in the morning and I have my first consciousness of I went... (gasps) Man, I I just think about God. But they were unmindful of God. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32 and 20, they were a very forward generation. (laughs) The talk over the past few years, probably a good decade or so now, has been about being progressive. Got to be progressive as a church. Got to, got to be progressive as a movement. Got to be forward. I told you, I like, all, I like the heat in the air, and I like all those things. And there's some other things I'd like to dabble into The opportunity presents itself concerning technology and things of that nature. Where the Bible says they were a very forward generation. The literal interpretation of that word forward is that they were a very perverse generation. Let me state this, that if we're ever forward around here, or progressive around here, it will not mean because we compromise or we're, there's perversity in the church. Forward around here will mean that there's a generation that's considering what's ahead. Forward around here will mean that there's a group that's watching where they are headed, where they are going. Someone said it like this, said today's church may spend too much time on the good news of salvation by grace and not enough time on the bad news that judgment is coming because of sin. I want to add just a little bit to that. That's not bad news if you consider where you're going. Now listen, folks, I've been really good in this new year. Man, I've talked about prayer. I've talked about the power of purpose. I mean, really, I've been really on a positive note. But every once in a while, you just got to come along with the guns and you just got to shout out to God and preach the word, amen, of the Lord, even if it cuts close sometimes, Sister Margaret. Amen. People don't consider their destiny. People that don't consider their destiny... They don't only abandon God, but they depart from God's word. Listen to me now. Because if God isn't relevant to you, then you don't care what he has to say either. They, 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 they ignore all those things in scripture that, that associate blessing with obedience and then punishment with disobedience. But Moses, who was the man of the Mosaic law, brought it down from the mount to share with the people. He wrote as a part of his song these very simple words. He said, oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. You know what he's saying? They need to consider their destiny. Let's go a step further. People that don't consider their destiny transfer their trust from God to inadequate objects and people. Moses told Israel in Deuteronomy 32, you can see it there. He said, their rock is not like our rock. 
Their rock is not like our rock. He went even a little further. He's like, sure, they got vines. Sure, they got fields and grapes and clusters. He said, but their vines are of Sodom and their fields are of Gomorrah and their grapes are of Gaul and their clusters are bitter. And so when it's all said and done, the product of all that is a wine that's poisonous as the dragon and venom like from an asp or a serpent. He says they might have, amen, vines like you think that we have and clusters of grapes. It might look the same, he said, but it's not the same. You gotta consider the destiny. You gotta consider its end. Someone say amen. Jacob was a man, speaking of not considering your destiny, what about one that would? Jacob was a man that evidently considered his destiny as he approached the Bethel, the house of God, after his years of being away from his family, his country, and his home. The Bible says whenever the Lord had spoke to him to go there, he gave it consideration. Those that were traveling with him, they stopped. Amen. And he told them basically this. He says, we're going up to Bethel. That is the destiny. He's given it consideration. And he tells them we need to put away the strange gods he says and we got to be clean and we got to change our garments why do we must do this Jacob he says because I've given consideration to where we're headed I've given consideration to where we're going ladies and gentlemen here and afar tonight I present you this this evening your actions will either determine your destiny or your destiny will help determine your actions The writer of Proverbs said Proverbs 14 and 12 and also Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way. There is a right here, right now path before us. That seems right unto me. But you got to consider its destiny. He says the end thereof, the destiny, the future of that are the ways of death. And so the psalmist comes along then in Psalms 39 in verse number 4. And he declares this prayer, Lord, make me to know my end. Make me to know my future, my destiny, and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. The psalmist said that he wanted to consider his destiny, destiny, even if it meant, amen, him realizing how frail he was. Mm-hmm. Even if it meant that it realized maybe that there's some things that need to be tightened up or strengthened in my life. He was watching, if I might say tonight, he was watching where he was going. He had a grasp, if you will, of the measure of his days and of his time on the earth. And perhaps he could get to where God intended him to be if he would just somehow make sure that his feet is where they needed to be in the moment and continue on that path. Someone say amen. Watch where, watch where you're going. Jerusalem, city of Jerusalem, it really had little to offer compared to some of the other major cities of its time. It was not near a seaport where boats could come and lavish it with gold and silver and peacocks and all these other things that they did in those days. It was along no major trade route out where it was located, no one would pass by its way with goods that direction is either. In the Old Testament, David was guaranteed and 
pledged a dynastic rule that would continue for generations. That would even extend then to Jerusalem since it was the royal city whenever David was king. That was his place. God had even pledged that he would dwell at Jerusalem forever, that he would put his name. He put his name upon Jerusalem. And all those things that was promised to her, as are many things in our own lives, they were conditional. They were conditional. That if they kept their statutes and the judgments and the things of the Lord, then it would continue to be that royal city. It would continue to be the place of the Lord's name forever. And so they were conditional. They were based upon, if I could say it like this, they were based upon whether or not they would watch where they were going, whether they would consider their end, their destiny. Jeremiah even stated in Jeremiah 29, speaking to Jerusalem and Israel, it is again that very popular verse of verse 11. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. What to give you unexpected end he's talking about their destiny he even said in another place and there is hope in thine end so again we are we are with the battle of jerusalem here her not considering her destiny she's not giving thought to where her present actions are leading and she's not being too mindful about what god's intentions are really for her Jerusalem, you need to consider your destiny. Look way down the road. Look way down the path from where you are right now. Because where you are is not necessarily where you're going to end up. Be mindful, Jerusalem. Be mindful, Jerusalem, of even the intentions that God has for you as a city. The intentions that God has. Has for you Jerusalem as a city and a nation in the future. Watch me now. Because it would be said then in the New Testament. And that repentance and remission of sins. Should be preached in his name among all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold I send the promise of the father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Verse 52 says, and they worshiped him and returned to Jeremiah said she didn't consider her destiny. God has some plans, Jerusalem. God has some intentions, Jerusalem. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy if you'll stand with me I'll try to come to a close watch where you are going sister Mariah if you can throw up there a picture there for me I gave you tonight there is a cave on the site of Golgotha known as Jeremiah's grotto grotto is just a fancy word meaning cave this cave comprises a part of the skull of Golgotha as it appears in this picture. This picture right here is what is known as the traditional site. What they revere as the traditional site of Golgotha. Remember, Golgotha is the place of the skull. 
More than one reason, there were a lot of executions that took place there. And the Jews also believed because of the appearance of this in the side of the mountain itself has an appearance of a skull. And so tradition, even the Jews' tradition, this place that's before you right here tonight was a place of execution even long before the Romans ever came to political power. And they say that it was even continued to use as a place of execution. It was from this locality that if you were to turn around from looking at that and look the other direction, that you would see a great view of the city of Jerusalem below. Tradition claims that Jeremiah sat in this cave, one of those hallowed out spots was, the, was Jeremiah's grotto. Amen. Tradition claims that Jeremiah sat in one of those caves when he wrote the book of Lamentations. And there he wept and cried over the desolation of the city of Jerusalem. If that be true this evening, then he was writing these things at the site where the crucifix of the Lord would take place. In the future, blood would be shed somewhere in that vicinity for sin, might I say more importantly, for the sins of Jerusalem. If the tradition is true, then Jeremiah wrote, she did not consider her destiny at the place where Christ would have all destinies to be altered by his sacrifice if the people would avail themselves of it. What are you saying tonight, Brother McGee? I'm saying we need to watch where we are going. We need to be mindful even of the intentions that God has for us in our lives back to the beginning of our little sermon if I could say it like this we need to consider our destiny even in light of what his destiny was so we need to roll back on the throttle bishop we need to lean into the curve we we need to take the most direct route while we keep our eyes on the exit on the destiny if we embow our heads in this place tonight hallelujah we bow our heads at this place tonight. We preached it several times in my life. You got to live your life with the end in view. You got to live your life with tomorrow perhaps being the last. You got to live your life, amen, with rapture on your mind. You got to live your life with your destiny, amen, in sight on two folds. The way and the activity that I'm presently actively engaged in my life, what path is that leading to me ultimately? And what intentions and desires and purposes does the Lord have on me? And are my footsteps headed in that direction now? We must watch where we are going. We've all had the moment in time that we're walking wherever it may be a crowded place an airport all of a sudden someone just runs into you and in your mind you're thinking buddy you need to watch where you are going but many times they're distracted by other things by a phone something else happening around them in the surroundings and their eyes are not looking ahead they're looking everywhere but there and i'm telling you tonight we got to lift up our eyes as the scripture says huh we got to lift up our eyes because our redemption is drawing nigh. We got to give consideration to our destiny. Oh, they said it's because of her sin. It goes deeper than that. Her sin, though, was a result because she was not thinking or considering of the end of the future. She was not mindful of her 
destiny. I open these altars tonight for all those that are in the sound of my voice here because I want to live my life with my destiny in mind. I want to live my life with the destiny that God has for me in mind. Hallelujah. And he can somehow intercept me at any place along the path. Amen. And he can change, if you will, destinies if I allow it, if I will permit him into my life. I don't want to lightly esteem the Lord. I don't want to always be chasing the, the, the best little new thing that comes about because I think it's more relevant to my times and more relevant to where I live life. No, 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 no. I want to take that old, old story and I want to take that old, old book and I want to take that old, old truth that's lasted for generations to generations through wars and turmoil and I want to associate and attach myself to that because it's relevant for me today. It's relevant for where my feet presently are planted. I want to live and watch. I want to watch where I am going. I want to watch where I am going. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to watch where I'm going. Sir or ma'am, whoever you may be today, hallelujah, you may have started off the journey very well. Your eyes were set like a flintstone straight in, straight ahead of you. You've seen the path that was demarked by the plan and the purpose of God. You only had one wish and desire, and that was to be obedient and pleasing to Him. But somewhere along the way, just like Peter walking on the water, boisterous winds have blown, and it's distracted you and got your attention, and you find yourself sinking below I urge you tonight do like him and cry out God save me God save me God save me I want to live with my destiny in mind I want to watch where I'm headed I want to look where I want to be I want to look where I want to be oh yes let's be mindful of the Holy Ghost right now let's be mindful of the Holy Ghost right now Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.